0: I try to figure out like what can I do with the tools and resources at my disposal to make change happen and that is to make my business the best resource it can possibly be for people in this community. It's okay, so on bright future and life's today. I can show you too I like got a bright future in the neck of time bright future and
1: Welcome. In this thought-provoking episode, Tim Frick, founder of Mighty Bites and a longtime leader in the B Corp movement, and I delve into the importance of pride and building inclusivity in business. We explore the challenges faced by the LGBTQ plus community in rural and urban areas, the evolution of pride celebrations, and the significance of listening to LGBTQ plus employees. Tim shares valuable insights on using business as a force for good, supporting local organizations, and prioritizing impactful initiatives. Tune in as we navigate the complexities of pride, allyship, and creating meaningful change. All right. Well, Tim, so excited to have you on and to have this conversation to kind of kick us off and get us started. Will you tell us a little bit about Mighty Bytes and what led you to start the company?
0: Sure. So Mighty Bytes is a digital agency. Um, we have been, uh, we're we based in Chicago, although our, our team is virtual. So we are kind of sprinkled throughout the Midwest. I'm in, in uh, Upper Michigan. I have another developer who's in Lower Michigan. Uh, the most of the rest of our team is in, in the Chicagoland area. Um I started the company in 1998 to help nonprofits and purpose-driven organizations improve their digital literacy. Um in the mid to late 90s, uh, I was a burgeoning digital professional at the time and I saw a mad dash towards uh, for companies to get on the internet and you know there is a lot of technological banter going back and forth and I was finding that a lot of nonprofits and, and other purpose-driven organizations were being left out of these conversations. Um, And so, you know, the organizations that were really making a difference in the world um, were being left behind in this conversation in favor of, uh, you know, whatever the latest tech startup, you know, would be. And so my goal with creating Mighty Bytes uh, was to help organizations like that find success. So from the very beginning, we focused on working with purpose-driven organizations like nonprofits and social enterprises. Uh, Later, that evolved into working with other B Corps and educational institutions and that kind of stuff. But generally we've had a a, a
1: purpose-driven bent since the company began, began. That's so cool. I'm curious, was there like an organization that was the kickoff that kind of set you on this journey? Well, actually, that's an interesting interesting uh, question. I, Mighty Bites rose out of the
0: ashes of another agency that I had with a business partner. And the last project of that agency became the first project of Mighty Bytes. And it was creating an interactive game for uh, the robotics line of toys from Learning Curve. Um, and so uh, we were I was working on that. And, and uh, like I said, it became the first project of Mighty Bytes and realized I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed working with organizations that had you know, as an educational toy, co- uh, toy company, um, that had all kinds of different brands, not just the robotics line, but the idea with the robotics line was that you could, you know, take, uh, uh, machines that physical, you know, physical, uh, plastic robots basically, and like transformers, make them into different kinds of, uh, different kinds of things. And so they wanted a game, um, that allowed you to do the same thing. And so, uh, we created a, I created a game uh, with the help of a couple of the programmers and stuff um, and that really led me to, to, you know, wanting to work
1: in education and for purpose-driven organizations. That's so cool. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And speaking of, you're a big advocate of using business as a force for good and the B Corp movement, which is how we connected. Yep. Um, how did you hear about B Corp certification and why was it important for you to pursue and, and maintain that certification? Sure.
0: Yeah. So we we became a certified B Corp uh, in 2011. Um, and uh, in 2010, I was doing a climate ride, which is a multi-day, like kind of endurance uh, cycling event that raises money for environmental charities. And Hardik from Climate or from B Lab was actually giving a presentation on this climate ride about B corps And at the time, um, at in 2010, it was you know the app craze was kind of in full swing. And we were finding that, you know, in addition to the kind of purpose driven organizations that we work for, all of our ideas for for apps and and similar things was uh, coming from, you know, like purpose driven apps. I mean, we were we were wanting to do uh, create apps that were doing good in the world. And, and so um, we we realized very quickly that uh if we were to get funding to build some of these apps that you know the the funders were going to be focused on specifically on the business model and specifically on you know how can we make scale as fast as possible how can we make as mon- much money as fast as possible and well you know that's fine for some organizations we really wanted to make sure that we were, we were driven by the you know kind of purpose entity of it and stuff, and so learning about B Corps, uh, you know, seemed like a natural fit for Mighty Bites, um, uh since we do serve mostly purpose-driven organizations. So I came back um, and, literally, three days after Climate Ride, had coffee with a friend and her business. She had just certified her business as a B Corp and, and talked about the process. Um, and so I got like a firsthand experience. And so right after that, we became the ninth certified B Corp in the state of Illinois. And then, you know, obviously that was 2011. It's now. 2023 so we we've had a lot of time to make mistakes and learn things and and you know get ourselves on the the path of continuous improvement
1: yeah i mean speaking of continuous improvement y'all started with a score of 98 and your current score is 168 which i think is even higher than patagonia i don't know that's that's like one of the highest (laughs) scores i've ever seen um and you've been best for the world from B Lab for nearly every year since 2017, except for 2020. But there was no list released due to COVID 19. Right. So every year that you've been eligible, you've you've uh, gotten best for the world. I'm so curious. What did that progress and growth look like in practice?
0: I should clarify. Actually, our very first, like in 2011, when we certified, I think we only had 85. And then, uh, I don't think that's listed on our B Corp uh, profile or 84, sorry, I think it was 84. Um, we got up to 98 and then we took a tumble down and then we kind of, you know, uh, realized that the tumble was kind of one of the things where we're like, oh, well, we thought this was going to be easier because we were doing as, as I'm sure anybody who's certified their company as a B Corp can attest to the fact that it gets harder every time you certify. And so, uh, we, you know, we're doing the same things as the first time that we certified, but then we you know, actually lost points because the certification itself got harder. And so we were um, you know, trying to figure out how to to get our our kind of, you know our, our, our groove on in terms of continuous improvement and, and and we had a couple of false starts in the first few years after that first certification. Um but then we kind of, you know, got into the into the cycle of of focusing on that. And, you know, more than anything, I think committing to failing forward. We we wanted to try new things and do more of what works and less of what doesn't. Um, as a digital agency, we've been focused on agile practices, which are very cyclical and very based on continuous pro- improvement for a long time. Um, and so we wanted to do the same thing with our kind of organizational agility. Um, eventually, this paid off, but we did have a few, you know, a few fits and starts on, on that. Um, and mostly uh, kind of over committing ourselves um, to, you know, in, in comparison to the resources that we actually had. Um, but that being said, you know, every B Corp certification presents an opportunity for, for a business to improve its, you know, previous impact efforts. And so um, we use them as an as a chance to, you know, go and improve our score. But more importantly, you know, ask ourselves, are we becoming a better company? Are we getting better at creating shared value for our team and for clients and community, et cetera? Um, and just kind of how are we improving over time? Um, and also, I think probably it's important to note that we're a small organization, so, you know, being small allows us to be more nimble. We, we can pivot more quickly um, and move on to new things more quickly than a much larger, you know, fo- uh, scaled organization can do. Um, so we really focus on quality over quantity in, in all of our interactions within the company.
1: That's really cool. And I'm curious, is there in that progress, do you have one moment or or piece of progression that you're most proud of? They're like, oh gosh, this was an unlock for us that I feel really great about. Yeah,
0: I think that actually came early on. In 2013, we created a tool called EcoGrader, um, which is a a digital sustainability tool that helps people understand the uh, environmental impact of their website. Um, And that kind of came out of our B Corp assessment. Um, And so we, we, we took the assessment, learned a lot of things about where we needed to improve the company Um, And then, you know, promptly said, well, all right, we build the internet for a living as a digital agency and the internet has this massive environmental impact. What can we do about that? And so we started by creating like kind of a sustainable product manifesto. And then shortly after that, we realized that people didn't even understand what we were talking about when we were talking about digital sustainability. So we wanted to create a tool Um, That would help them very quickly understand it. And and EcoGrader was uh, inspired by HubSpot's website grader, where you can put a URL in, it'll crawl that URL. Uh, HubSpot's tool will tell you how good of a marketing tool it is and where you can improve it. Um, Our tool was basically focused on the same thing, but on focus on on environmental uh, uh, metrics. Um, And so we launched that on Earth Day of 2013. Um, and we have been improving on it ever since. And, and we actually just launched a, 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 new version for the 10 year anniversary of EcoGrader on
1: earth day of this year. Oh, way cool. And is that just something, uh, we'll definitely link to it in the show notes. Is that something that people can just, it's just a URL we can give folks. Oh, cool. Anybody can use it.
0: Yep. It's just ecograder.com and, and you can put any URL in it and it will crawl that URL and it'll give you a carbon score. Uh, a, UX, a user experience design score, uh, a page weight score, um, as well as a whole bunch of metrics and things that you could potentially do to improve those scores and then reduce emissions. Wow,
1: that's amazing. Um, it actually, so that's a perfect segue because Speaking of accomplishments, you're also an author of several books, one of which is Designing for Sustainability, which I know people can't see because this is audio. But I have right here um, (laughs) and I'm (laughs) I'm only like ankle deep into this thing. But this book is so dense and there's so much good stuff in here. Like I I feel like it just came. Mine just came in the mail yesterday and I've already just like in cracking it open, have learned so much. Um, I'm curious, you know, so the book is Designing for Sustainability, a guide to building greener digital products and services. And I think a lot of folks don't realize the environmental impact that the internet has. Can you share a bit about that and share maybe a couple pointers for the audience of how they can reduce their carbon footprint on the web? Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So as I mentioned, after your last question, we created EcoGrader in 2013 that ended up leading to a TEDx talk in 2015. Um, And somewhere in there, I got a book deal to actually put all of these concepts together into a book, which came to the one that you had. Thank you for supporting it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, the idea was that, um, you know, we learned quickly that people didn't understand a lot of this and, and, and we wanted to. You know, EgoGrader was meant to help them give that, get that high level knowledge very quickly. Um, whereas a book is much more dense and obviously has has the ability to to you can dive in and dig into the the statistics and stuff. And so I wrote, you know, designing for sustainability specifically for that. So for people who want to, you know, it's more for like web designers, web developers, product managers, prod, digital product teams, um, and stuff. And so um, that's that's really who who the the team is for. Whereas EcoGrader itself, you, those those teams can certainly use it, but also it's EcoGrader is meant to be uh, in simple enough language that anybody uh, on in business leadership can understand it. So that being said, um, you know, established per our B Corp certification, the, the internet is a complicated ecosystem. It uses a huge amount of energy. Um, The most commonly recited statistic around that is that its uh, environmental impact is on par with that of the commercial airline industry, which is pretty major when you think about it. Um, But it also has a lot of social and economic issues, such as data privacy, inequality, misinformation and disinformation, accessibility for uh, people with disabilities. The list kind of goes on and on. Um, And so when you look at Internet the internet through an ESG sustainability lens, environmental, social, and governance, there's a whole bunch of things an organization can do. For instance, you can support open access to information by making your website accessible for to people with disabilities, um, people, or for people on older devices, people in low bandwidth areas, et cetera. You can prioritize truth, transparency, and data privacy in your online communications and marketing. Um, you can power websites with renewable energy by using a green web host. You can improve performance and efficiency so that your website uses less energy. You can track and reduce the digital emissions associated with your website use over time, um, support long-term digital re- resilience using tighter security, ongoing maintenance, et cetera, um, building team capacity. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a whole whole slew of things. Uh, hence, it was easy enough to write a book about that. And, and actually, the book mostly focuses on energy and the environmental components and, and less on the social and governance components. If I were to rewrite it, I would, I would definitely do it through, through an ESG lens. And and unfortunately, most organizations aren't doing a lot of these things, um, which is really, I think where purpose driven businesses like B Corps can lead, um, because there are, are a lot of things that you could do and, and many organizations aren't doing them. And so, you know, our B Corp community could certainly jump, jump on that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll say too, um, for folks in in that design, that web design space, uh, something that I think thought was really cool about the book is there's a lot of really great visuals. I'm also a very like visually driven person, and so it also helps digesting a lot of that information, um, which is really cool, really really cool. Um, it's awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're also a certified LGBTBE. Can you share with us what that is, what that means, and why that certification was important to you? Sure.
0: The, uh, so, so it's a whole lot of acronyms. NGLCC is the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce. Um, and they have a business certification, uh, which is an LGBT business enterprise. Um, we decided in 2017, I think, uh, to, to go through that certification. Um, mostly because we wanted to just put it out there that this is kind of the business that we are and what we stand for. And, and, um, you know, I've never, I haven't been closeted since I was in my early twenties and I'm 56 now. So, you know, I I haven't been, you know, I, I haven't I didn't like lead with my sexual orientation in 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 business conversations or anything like that. But I did want to, you know, people to understand that, you know, I own a business that's prioritizes inclusion, prioritizes diversity. Um, and so going through that certification, it really kind of helps us put that out there to the world that like, hey, these things are priorities for us. This is what we stand for. And, um, you know, we're looking to partner with organizations that stand for similar things. And, and you know, it, it is interesting because the NGLCC really focuses on getting LGBTQ plus owned companies as suppliers for, for large, large businesses like Shell or UPS or, or, you know, um, really big, you know, multinational corporations and stuff. And th- those companies aren't really our target market as I talked about earlier. Um, so, you know, w- while we don't get a lot of, you know, kind of business value out of the cert- certification because of that, that, you know, kind of incongruous target market. Um, it is important, you know, I think that that uh, that, that we just put, put it out there on, on who we are and what we stand for. Um, I do think it's also important that a lot of LGBTBEs would also find value in aligning their companies with the business community that shares their values of inclusion and diversity, similar to the B Corp community. So I like having both certifications because it, uh, you know, it, it really kind of puts it out there like, here's what, who we are and what we do. I think that other LGBTBs and, and there are several of them in the B Corp community, um, that, that kind of cross a line similar to you know B1s,
1: the B Corp and 1% for the planet members, which we also are a, a member of. That's really cool. And I'm curious. So B Corp has this whole kind of community behind it. Do the LGBTBEs also have like that community aspect? Like, is there any of that synergy? I
0: wouldn't say it's as strong as the B Corp community. In fact, I would say the B Corp community is part of B Corp certification's strongest assets you know i mean the community is what makes the change happen the community is the the where the inspiration happens it's where the knowledge sharing happens it's where all the kind of innovation happens within the b corp you know world um whereas as i mentioned earlier the nglcc really focuses on can you be a supplier for shell or can you be a supplier mm-hmm. for ups and um well there are a lot of businesses that want to do that and um i don't know that they have done as good of a job as B Lab, for instance, at fostering and nurturing community. They do have like an annual conference. Um, but I, I don't like, you know, to me, the Champions Retreat, which is the B Corp annual conference is the, the you know, one of the most inspiring events I attend every year. I can't say I've had any interest or desire to attend an NGLCC event. Um, maybe I will someday. and And, you know, perhaps I can get some inspiration out of that. But I haven't been to be frank, impressed with, with, you know, kind of their approach, like, you know, why wouldn't we want to share, you know, align ourselves with companies that share our values, you know, mm. and, and is Shell that company? I don't think so. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, for sure. I'm sure they have a great <laughs> DEI program, you know, and everything, but like, you know, is, are they truly aligned with my values as a business owner? No. And do I want to work with those companies to do? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, that makes, that makes a ton of sense. You know, Speaking of kind of LGBTQ community, we're in a political climate that is pretty scary right now. Right. And I'm curious have you received any negative blowback for being a certified LGBTBE?
0: I haven't experienced any firsthand discrimination, although, uh, uh, unfortunately, uh, in the Midwest especially, So I don't don't want to sound like this is a dig to the Midwest, but you know, they, they do have that, that idea of Midwest nice, which is, you know, a smile to your face and watch out what they say behind your back. That being said, I don't, if if I have, I don't know that I've, 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 you know, actually been cognizant of it because nobody said anything to my face. Uh, we haven't received any, you know, kind of direct discriminatory practices or, or, or anything like that. You were lucky to be headquartered in a pretty progressive state of Illinois, um, you know, there's a lot of other companies and LGBTBEs especially that are not so lucky that they're in places where this political environment is really toxic right now. The one thing I will say is that Mighty Bites has made it onto to Conservopedia's list of liberal corporate tyranny, um, not once, but five times for the progressive policies that we have supported in the past. Um, so that personally is a badge we wear with honor. Um, You know, I'm I'm happy to happy to that totally works for me. Um, But you know, a lot of that is for signing petitions around you know inclusion and diversity and access to trans inclusive healthcare and abortion and all these kind of progressive politics things that we support. um, You know, that that apparently the Conservopedia feels that they need to call us out on that, which is fine by me. I'm I'm in in good company
1: on that list. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the fact that there's a list of liberal corporate tyranny in in general is right. It is a thing all into itself. What they consider (laughs) is
0: tyranny. I mean, to me, like, you know, tyranny is, is inclusion, you know, tyranny is, you know, wanting a better future for everybody. And that's just hilarious to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know you've also mentioned that you've done some community organizing within the LGBTQ community. Can you share a bit about what that work has looked like?
0: Yeah, I think it's mostly been within the B Corp community. You know, when I was younger, I came out in the 80s. AIDS was in full swing. So, you know, it was a natural and it was a pretty, pretty uh, um, kind of problematic uh, uh, environment in the 80s and early 90s. Um, So I participated in a lot of protests and marches and parades and and all of that kind of thing. Um, But, you know, now as I'm older, I mostly use my businesses to support progressive causes, including those listed on the conservopedia list, as well as LGBTQ plus rights and equality and stuff like that. Um, Within the B Corp community, uh, I I partnered up with several other LGBTQ led businesses to create the Be Proud group in the Beehive, which is a closed social network for B Corps. Um, And that came out of a session that we ran at the 2019 B Corp Champions Retreat to basically invite people from the community to come in and talk about what is concerning to them. Um, what the B Corp community can do better to support our community um, and generally just kind of uh, a, a listening session so that we could understand, um, you know, what is important and what might we do about it. And then of course, you know, two, three months later, COVID hit. And um, I, I don't want to say those those efforts went on hold, but we, you know, businesses, everybody had a, had a different set of priorities for a while.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, I, I'm curious. So, this is more out of just like my own, um, you know, looking for inspiration here. I, You know, for myself as a, as a trans person, I, I feel like we're in this like really scary time. But then I think back to, you know, what activists like yourself in the 80s had to had to deal with and how scary that was. And I'm just so curious, like, how did you navigate fear in those moments? And because I know it's something that I just, you know, truthfully, I'm struggling with myself um, at times and. Sure. Like, yeah. How did you navigate that? I think I, yeah, I, I don't,
0: I mean, there's a, that's a, that's a many layered onion right there. Um, one, it was through anger, um, uh, you know, and, and, and that's where those protests and, and that yelling and screaming and marching all took place. Um, you know, and, and that was a, that was a, a, venting, you know, kind of procedure for, for a lot of people. I also think that, you know, many gay men, especially, um, who lived through the eighties uh, have probably not processed their trauma of that time. Mm. I mean, it, you know, especially when it comes to AIDS, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of challenging rhetoric and bullshit basically around all of that. And, and, um, and, you know, the government did not have our backs. Nobody had our backs. And so the answer was civil disobedience. You know, I, it wasn't even peaceful protest. It was civil disobedience. It was the work of act up and the people who made you know, that that issue, you know, front page news. Um, and that's really I I think, um, from my personal experience, that's really what made uh change start to happen as the nineties continued to progress. You know, we had those big marches on Washington and we had a lot of a lot of uh you know people coming together to saying, no, this is not all right. We do not accept this and we want change, you know. Um again, I don't know that you know, a lot of people probably haven't processed their trauma around all of that. Um, I do every now and again, kind of tap back into that anger. Um, but as I've gotten older, gentler, and wiser, I think um, it's really more about like, well, you know, now that I have, uh, you know, have established myself as a as a human and and kind of know who I am and 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 own a business, and so I know what my business can do. I, I try to figure out like, what can I do with the tools and resources at my disposal to make change happen, and that is to make my business the best possible resource it can, possibly, it can possibly be for, you know, people in this community and the business community overall. Like I'd like to consider myself a an inspiration to a lot of the other business leaders who might want to look at saying, Hey, I want to, I want to operate a business like
1: that. You know? Yeah. At least I hope that's what the, <laughs> that the it is. I love that. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for sharing that. We're in, at the time that this is airing, we're in June. Uh, do you have any special pride plans for mighty bites?
0: I don't. Um, I, I, although I do plan to, you know, continue to you know, sign as many pro LGBTQ plus petitions as I can, um, and, and be active in the B Corp community, especially around policy activation and, and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, uh, our company works virtually, as I mentioned earlier. I live in a pretty rural area of Michigan, and this is a, a cute story. I saw a sign for a Pride Fest where in, in this in the closest town, like the closest town of any size to where I'm at is about 45, 50 miles away. Um, and they have a Pride Fest there, and it's a potluck picnic, um, which I think is great and amazing and, 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 and probably would be a, a lot of fun. I, I think I contrast that with... The many pride events that I attended in Chicago when I lived in Chicago for thirty plus years where a hundred plus thousand people you know would 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 attend and basically fill that uh, the community neighborhood in Chicago um clogging streets and, and 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 everything and um you know it is it is really interesting to to compare you know a potluck picnic in a rural area with a a, a pride festival that is a hundred thousand people and honestly, I think when it comes to actually Achieving true equality and 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 kind of bridging that gap between rural and urban existence, which is a big issue for many people in our community, because rural environments tend to be so toxic and hostile towards us. Um, we really do have to figure out how to cross that barrier um, and and figure out how we can provide support to people who live in and you know come out in and and grow up in rural areas where it's very, very dangerous, you know, um, and, and, um, we have to figure out, you know, how to, how to bridge that gap because the two experiences are incredibly different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see that here in Maine too, where, you know, folks in, in, in rural communities that are in those dangerous spaces don't have any re- access to resources to get them safely out of those spaces. So it, it's right. Yeah, right. you're absolutely right. Um, I'm curious, you know, I was in the car with with my brother recently and he turned to me and he was like, how do you feel about pride? And, uh, and I was like, well, I have some complicated, mixed feelings about it. And right. and so I'm curious, you know, how do you how do you feel about pride in general?
0: I love what it stands for. Uh, I, I It is protest, uh, you know, and 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 I, I, I like what, you know, the Stonewall riots stand for. Um, that being said, in many big cities, especially that has been completely diluted into a celebration, which is fine and totally okay. Um, but in a lot of cities, it's a drunken free-for-all. At least I can speak, uh, you know, about Chicago uh, in that regard. Um, and, uh, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to see us go back to, you know, protesting, peaceful protest around issues that matter to our community. Um, you know, we're lucky in, in uh, Illinois uh, that, that, you know, we have an environment that supports um, our community and, and, and provides perfect protections to our communities and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but not everybody's that lucky. And so I would love to see pride be focused on how do we help lift up all boats, so to speak, how do we help everybody? Um, you know, especially in the places where there are no pride festivals, where there are no options or access to resources or anything like that. Um, I think that's, that's what I'd love to, that's, that's kind of what I'd love to see pride evolve into.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that makes that makes a lot of sense. So speaking of, um, as an LGBT BE, what advice or guidance would you give to other businesses looking to build more inclusive policies for LGBTQ folks? And also I kind of want to bridge this to like also thinking about since we're in Pride and businesses are trying to navigate, wanting to show up and how they show up. I feel like that's where a lot of my fixed mixed feelings come in, um, is around that commercialization, knowing that like some of that's needed yes. to help keep these organizations going and there's you know it's important to navigate that with care um what would what would your advice to folks be and and to do it outside of june yeah, um, yeah. you know <laughs> uh,
0: i think yeah i think first and foremost if uh, if this is you know if we're talking about other businesses listen to your lgbtq plus employees uh, you know find out what's important to them listen to them and enact policies accordingly you know also learn what's going on in your local community um are there organizations or policies that you can support uh to kind of be an ally and and you know supporting local legislation that promotes equality for our members of our community is, is is really important um there are as you noted increasing number of bills what almost 500 now in in 2023 alone um that have been brought up that uh you know we need business allies and organizations to actively fight. And then I think there's also just kind of the nitty gritty tactical stuff. Uh, you know, don't pride wash, be an ally all year long, you know, support, just support our community wherever and whenever you can. Um, and then do, do tactical things like educating people on pronoun use or getting general neutral bathrooms or supporting trans inclusive healthcare. Like there's a whole variety of things um, that an organization, uh, uh, you know, whether it's a nonprofit or a business can do, um, to, to support our community. Um, but first, you know, first and foremost, it starts with listening. So I, I'd, I'd start there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love that, that you pointed out the, like, get to know your local communities. Cause there's so many incredible yeah. nonprofit, like LGBTQ led nonprofits all around the country. Um, I know personally, I mean, I got nothing against a, the human rights campaign, uh, you know, which they do great <laughs> right. things. And I feel like sometimes if companies don't know anybody, they just default to donating funds there. And it's like your local community could use those dollars and would go so much further and do so much.
0: What is what is that phrase? Think global, act local. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that's a really good point with the B Corp community. You know, I've I've been a leader as a, of a B Local group in Illinois, which is basically focused on the geographic region of Illinois, Um, and supporting B Corps in that area. Um, I think, you know, supporting local organizations is so important. And also as a for-profit business, you don't know everything. In fact, you probably don't know a lot when it comes to actually you know, creating change and creating impact, that's typically been historically the purview of the nonprofit sector, or the charity sector. And so partnering with those organizations to create, you know, shared value is really, really important. I think that's probably one thing I've learned uh, top of anything else within the B Corp community is that like finding those strategic partners who you can share resources with and you can share, you know, knowledge with and all of that kind of stuff. And, and that really makes a huge difference to actually creating, you know, collective
1: impact absolutely yeah and and building those relationships over time absolutely for sure what advice do you have for other folks looking to use business as a force for good in general even outside of pride and all that sure yeah
0: i think um you know probably first and foremost do what you can with the resources at your disposal i think one of the mistakes biggest mistakes i made um, is that you know, we got excited about being a B Corp and wanted to do all the things and, and, you know, we're a tiny little company and, and we really didn't have the resource to do all the things and, and, um you know, focus on prioritizing the things that are most important and that you can do within the resources that you have um and, and, and then partner with organizations or other B Corps or, or whatever on things that, you know, you, that you don't have the resources to do on your own. There's a huge amount of collaboration within the B Corp community between B Corps to share resources, to share knowledge, to, to create joint campaigns, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so, um, you know, finding out, finding those partners is really important. Also, it's worth noting that the B Impact Assessment is free for any organization to use. Uh, you don't have to become a B Corp. And, uh, in fact, nonprofits can't become certified B Corps, but anybody can use the B Impact Assessment to kind of help prioritize what to focus on when they're creating, you know, impact for various stakeholder groups. So that's a really great resource. Um, I think finding communities that are focused on similar priorities and then joining those communities, offering support, listening, etc., And then, you know, building community around shared values and topics and stuff like that is, it's really about, you know, collaboration and meaningful collaboration and, and kind of building trust between your business and the people that you want to you know, help, help and, and, See Succeed.
1: Thanks so much for tuning into this series. If you want to learn more about Mighty Bites, Tim's Books, or Be Local Illinois, I've provided links to all three in the show notes for you. If you're enjoying this content, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more folks just like yourself find this content. Till next time. Be responsibly different. This episode was produced by yours truly, Ben Marine, with music from B Corp certified Marmoset Music. To learn more about Responsibly Different, visit responsiblydifferent.com. This podcast channel is a production of the B Corp certified and 1% for the planet member media consultancy, Deerigo Collective. To learn more about Deergo Collective, visit Deerigo, that's D as in dog. I-R-I-G-O collective.com.